1: 2020 Bengals training camp is officially here, and we've got you covered here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. Happy to be joined in the back of John Sheeran by Randall, making another appearance. John is in his new digs joining us. John, how you doing, buddy, this season? Even though it's been a a winding road to get through everything this offseason, where it's been exciting for the Bengals, but it's also been a little bit frustrating because of the whole pandemic stuff. We're here. Training camp is upon us, and uh, you are in a brand new, a brand new quote-unquote studio.
2: Yeah, but, you know, Randall pays the rent, so it's technically his <laughs> new digs. So I'm, right. I'm just here technically subletting for the, for the
1: time. <laughs> He's the landlord, right? Yeah. Of course. Uh, well, good to have you with us. Good to have everybody joining us live uh, whether it's through Cincy Jungle's Facebook page or our own YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you're unable to join us live, you can always get the show on a number of different audio platforms. So get the show how you can. Get this show. Get the other podcasts that are part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. And get all of your training cap coverage there we've got you covered from start to finish. And speaking of that, we've got a lot of news to get to. I I took the air Monday to talk about some, uh, all kinds of different news, but as things started to get started the past day or two, a lot of Bengals news has come across the wire. So we'll talk about some of that, that has come across the wire over the past day or so. We're going to, to do a little bit on John's, 53-man final roster projection as we sit here today. We're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, give some thoughts on some of his projections there. We're going to do a sound bite of the week, and we're going to do some, pros- uh, some possible breakout players again at the end of the episode. I want to remind everybody, too, in case you were unable to join us Monday and did not hear, we are set to interview Takeo Spikes, tomorrow morning, John. So, uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern, again, on all platforms. So, that's pretty exciting. Haven't had him on the show before, and uh, I don't think he's ever really interviewed on on the Cincy Jungle Network. So, uh, kind of a fresh perspective there. We've got a lot of fun questions to ask him. So, looking forward to that. I don't know about you, John. That should be an interesting one, I think, for both of us.
2: I'm definitely gonna have a Brian Simmons question prep because we love Brian Simmons on the
1: show. Yeah, I might, I might have a perfect question for him. Uh, yeah, so uh, we'll maybe talk a little Marvin Lewis and then all kinds of different stuff with Takeshi Spikes. So should be a fun one. And our thanks to him. He is joining us. Thanks to the Believe Network Podcast Network. He's got his own show, so that he's starting up and. He'll be joining us tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you're unable to join us live on those platforms, get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, really anywhere you get the audio versions of this show after the fact. If you're unable to join the live recording, but we hope you can join us. So um, we are looking forward to that. Well, let's get started with some news and notes, John. And I guess on the unfortunate side, to well, let's let's start with let's start with the good news first. Let's we don't want we don't want to. This is a good vibe type of day. So let's not start with the bad news first. All of the Bengals rookies, including Joe Burrow, they have all signed their contracts. I think that was to be expected. Maybe not in Mike Florio's eyes, but the Cincinnati Bengals rookie class has been signed, including Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, the last two guys to sign. No real surprises there, but I think relief can set in that all these guys are here and they are ready to play.
2: As long as they pass, I think they're physicals. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think um since we're recording on wednesday jeff hobson of bangles.com said that burrow's expected to be in the building to take his physical on thursday or maybe to take just his his covid test and then he can take his physical and then once that's done he can officially put pen to paper t higgins yeah he didn't actually sign his contract so i guess um fans can be relieved at that but you know it's typical drama that isn't really drama and it's always it's silly to see insiders say like oh rookie has signed his contract even though that was always supposed to happen and there are no holdouts anymore not with this new cba and especially not with rookies anymore so um i I guess the one thing that was holding it back was um intricacies with the signing bonus and the offsets and all all that stuff so he gets i think 23 million within the first two weeks right before a season that is is very much potentially in jeopardy so good for him you know he doesn't necessarily have to worry about anything financially in terms of security with that. So, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's good that the deal did get done in, in time and they had, they worked out everything, but you know, it, it, this was an inevitability. It's not like he was negotiating with Miami at the same time.
1: Right. But we should be seeing all of these guys with the exception maybe of, uh, Marcus Bailey. I believe, uh, he was on a, uh, an injury list, John. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he may be, uh, s- Looking at putting off some on-field time for the time being, uh, Khalid Kareem is uh, also on that on that list. Uh, Rodney Anderson is on that list. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Rodney Anderson, Damian Willis, and Alex Redmond are uh, Rodney Anderson and Damian Willis are on the pup list. Alex Redmond is yes. on the non-football injury list. Um, and then the other two, Khalid Kareem and Marcus Bailey, uh, are on the non-football injury list as well. So, um, so the, you know, unfortunately, a couple of rookies are landing on there. But, you know, I, I think the Bengals were – I know it's a little different this year because of the pandemic and they couldn't get a good grasp on the health of some of these guys. But I think they're pretty confident that these guys at some point in the very near future will be coming back and, and practicing playing. At least most it- of them, I would think.
2: I always like seeing the confusion when a rookie gets placed on the NFI, the non-football injury list, because most of the time it is a football injury but they designate it as a non-football injury because it didn't happen in the NFL, but it's pretty standard procedure for a college player to enter the NFL after being injured in his last season to be placed on the NFI just as a precautionary reason. So he doesn't get thrusted into camp into a regular camp under regular circumstances uh, w- without certain rehab. But I, yeah, like it's, it's not even been a full year since Rodney Anderson toured his ACL in last year's preseason. So that was to be expected. He can be taken off the pub at any time. And I believe Khalid Cream also was dealing with some type of a minor uh, ailment and he obviously hasn't had the, we haven't had the chance to see him work out in mini camps or anything. So we wouldn't have been able to see an update about that. So right. everything's pretty standard procedure. There's no reason to overthink or overlook any any of these things though. I, I think for the most part, all of them are, relatively healthy compared to what they were dealing with. So nothing that should plague them going into the regular season.
1: Yeah. A lot of technicalities that go into these lists and where guys are placed, what they've been dealing with, that sort of thing. So uh, you can understand a little bit of confusion as I laid that stuff out, but uh, the names again, Alex Redmond, Khalid Kareem, and Marcus Bailey are the, on the NFI list. And Rodney Anderson and Damian Willis are on the pup list. As of now, as you know, if a player is on pup, uh, you know they can stay on there, but can't practice. But once they practice, they come off that, and they're not eligible to go back on that list. So just a, just a little reminder for everybody out there. The other thing I want to talk about, and we can spend a little more time on this one on the unfortunate news, injury news. Uh, poor, poor Ryan Glasgow, man. Uh, this this guy, when he's out there, he seems to make plays. He seems to energize the defense. The problem is he can't stay out there for for a long time. And unfortunately he failed his physical upon returning to training camp this year after an injury he sustained last year. So he was uh, let go by the Bengals because of it. And this is one of those moves that they have had to make, as we talked about last week to get down, they were at 84 players and they're inching closer to 80 to enter training camp. And they cut a couple of young guys. I talked about that on Monday. They cut a couple of young guys on uh, early in the week, but now Ryan Glasgow's the next one to go, John. Unfortunate situation. It is a crowded defensive line group. We'll talk more about that with the early 53-man projection we've got coming. But still, a guy that, when healthy, you know he can contribute. You know he can do some good things and just unfortunately has been stricken with bad luck on that front.
2: I think the first 500 – his first 500 snaps – and I think nineteen games were as good as you can expect for a fourth round defensive tackle. He played his entire rookie season, had no injury problems, and he was solid. He played the three technique spot, but he, he always, he, to me, it's it's frustrating for his career at this point because. He has the body of a three technique, but he plays like a nose. He doesn't have the penetrating explosion that you would like in an under tackle that you see in Geno Atkins. He just holds his ground. He can hold on, hold on to double teams and just maintain strength at the point of attack, and that's what made him a solid run stopper at that position. But, you know, the, 2017 was solid for rookie season. The first three games of 2018, Profile Focus graded him with an 84.1 defensive grade, and he had five stops and I think only 45 run defense snaps, which isn't the very impressive ratio for someone who's a rotational player. So there was definitely value with him. And uh, once he tore that ACL in 2018, that's really when everything went off the rails. He was put an IR on IR for the remainder of that year. Then he came back in 2019. And he just didn't look, he, he, he already didn't have a lot of explosion to his game, but you could tell that he just wasn't exactly the same player last year. And he only played, I think 118 snaps for the like five games in eight weeks and ended up re-tearing that same ACL. So you're talking about a guy who's played, I think only 24 games in three years and he's turning 27 in September. So it's not ideal in terms of an outlook for long-term, but provided that, you know, he regains his health sometime in the near future. I think a team is going to give him an opportunity. He can maintain his role as just a rotational role player, but unfortunately he always just seemed to be that tweener that was effective in some areas, but he just left you wanting more in the others. But unfortunately, we're never going to see, at least from the Bengals' perspective, what he could have been because, you know, tearing two ACLs in two years, being 300 pounds, is a rough deal.
1: Yeah, that's not a good thing. And the, yeah, really, I, when I said, you know, good things happen when he's in the lineup, I was mostly referring to 2018. You know, 2018, the defense saw a noticeable dip once he was out of the lineup. Really, mm-hmm. it's, it. I mean, he was active and he was doing some good things, but it was, Part of it was the fact that there was the the fresh rotation. They were able to keep guys a little more fresh. And then when you get a guy that's a, a decent contributor and he gets hurt, he gets out of that lineup and they can't, you know, keep guys a little more fresh, obviously, the effectiveness goes down. And that 2018 defense, especially under Terrell Austin, as you remember, was just awful. And uh, wasn't much better last year, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, that that's – the Glasgow injury was – beginning of that torpedo uh really to that season so sad to see glasgow see the door but also john i mean he was he was a marvin lewis guy the 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 team last year drafted Rennell ran and they've got high hopes for him so you know that maybe they brought in dj reader they may be looking at uh just kind of having more of their guys in the fold especially ones that are healthy so uh, Ryan Glasgow is no longer with the Cincinnati Bengals, who is with the Cincinnati Bengals, John. I, this, this in a way, was a little bit surprising to me, but maybe not to others, given the fact that there is so much inexperience in the quarterback room and that the inexperience is, you know, largely really, I mean, I, I guess that just goes with inexperience, is a lot of youth. And so the Bengals sign... Quarterback Brandon Allen, who had uh, had a few starts with Denver last uh, last year, I think in between kind of the Flacco Drew Locke era, uh, he's bounced around a little bit. But interesting guy; he's got some familiarity with Zach Taylor in the offense. Uh, he he was with the Rams previously, and uh, like I said, was with the Broncos last year. Are you surprised that this was the veteran acquisition? that the Bengals made at the position. And do you think there was a question here from Jeffrey Turner in the Facebook, uh, you know, do you think they're going to keep foam dart Finley? Uh, thankfully I said that uh, correctly because I could have messed that up and said an inter- a really funny word there, but I didn't. So uh, do you think that this affects the future of either Dolagala or Finley with the team this year? It, it's –
2: it's – What's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it says more about how bad Finley was than the level of talent that Brandon Allen is that I agree that Finley's job is in danger because if Finley is described as foam dart Finley, which he is, he just got the, the weakest arm in the universe. Brandon Allen's not that far behind him. L- last year when he was with the Broncos, I think he came off the bench against the Browns and he played decent. I think he threw for two touchdowns, like um, a little under 200 yards and looked, looked okay. And then the next two starts, it, it all just went went downhill. Like he completed less than fifty percent of his passes against the against the Vikings and the Bills. He just didn't obviously didn't look like an NFL starter because he's not. And usually guys who are destined to be backups, they just don't exhibit enough talent to compete as a starter in, in the NFL. So this guy's not good. Like he came into the league as a six-round pick with the Jags. He lasted two years there. The only reason why he's here is because he came to the Rams right as their offense blew up in 2018 and was you know, one of Jared Goff's backups. And then he stayed with them. But the preseason in 2019 was terrible last year with the preseason. That's why the Rams eventually cut him and waved and got him, out, got him out of there. The Broncos picked him up, had him as an emergency backup. Obviously, he didn't work out. And that's how they ended up seeing what Drew Locke was towards the end of the year. So he's here because of his familiarity with Zach Taylor in the one year that they worked together in 2018 when Taylor was the assistant head uh, quarterbacks coach. Allen was a backup there. So there's familiarity with the nomenclature and, and the scheme that Taylor's trying to implement. I don't know how much he can push Finley because, unfortunately, he's just not that much better than Finley, if, if not better at all. So Finley's job security, I guess, is a little bit questionable, but it, it might say more about their overall plan going into the season. If they do keep three, I would expect them to keep Allen – and probably Finley because they still traded up for him. I think they still want to see what that investment will look like in the future. But now with an extended practice squad, you can go up to 16 players, and there's no preseason to see what Jake Dolagala can do. I think they may feel more comfortable that they can stash him on the practice squad, keep that arm talent, keep four quarterbacks in case they end up needing one as a backup because of the ongoing pandemic.
1: I'm tending to agree with you in terms of the Bengals want to see the Finley experiment through. Zach Taylor gushed about him as after they drafted him last year, uh, we saw the on-field result not not so great. So, the the Allen again this this is a league of who you know, right? And Allen uh, has familiarity with Zach Taylor in his system, and that's that's where the match lies. So he will be in camp with Dolagala and Finley as well as Joe Burrow, who we just mentioned is uh, finalizing his deal as training camp is set to open. The other thing before we just move on to the, the early roster predictions, one other little thing, we've had some questions in the past about competition for Randy Bullock at kicker while well, the Bengals are expected to sign Tristan Vizcayeno again, as a report from Tom Pellicero of the NFL network guy was in camp last year made a couple of nice kicks nothing really to write home about but at least he is depth andor competition how much of a competition he is for Randy Bullock I don't I don't really see it but the Bengals are said to be bringing in another kicker as well
2: yeah and I I I knew he was I I forgot which preseason it was like it, it says how long this year's been but I don't remember him last year in preseason but I guess he missed two field goals in that last preseason game against the Colts And he wasn't going to beat Bullock out anyways. I think it was just an extra body to keep him fresh or whatnot. But, you know, missing one from beyond 50 yards, missing one from in in the 30-yard range. Like, he didn't really give himself that much of a chance to even beat out Bullock last year. But, you know, it's a new year. And it's interesting the fact that they have to get down below 80 by, I think, mid-August, I think, is, like, the official deadline. And with bringing in Vizcayana along with Allen. They got themselves back up to, I think, 84 players. Uh, I don't know if that's for sure. It's an unconfirmed number, but they still have to get down to 80 eventually. And I wonder if they have an inkling about guys who are going to fail their physicals or guys they're, they're going to wave because of other other things. So maybe Vizcayana is here for the same reason that he was last year, just to keep Bullock fresh, just to keep an extra kicker, just for the sake of the overall depth on the entire roster with what's going on. But Yeah, I think that's more than likely was going to be anything rather than him being actual competition.
1: Those are the news and notes as of now, with as as all players are reporting to training camp, getting uh, their physicals and their COVID nineteen testing done. As the Bengals are also looking to kind of tweak some final areas of their roster. We mentioned the Vizcaino signing, the Brandon Allen signing, and, uh, you know, some other guys play, being placed on different lists. So that's kind of the news and notes as we get started with training camp here. And we'll obviously be hearing more and more there. You mentioned, by the way, the 80 cutdown, the 80 player cut down date being in mid-August. We did receive a question. I can't remember who said it in the live chat, but basically, you know, uh, when, when are actual practices, you know, full, full practices, starting that sort of thing. I think those two, that number and the, and the practice schedule is coincide there. So that's, that's kind of where we're at with that.
0: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva magic, Write. It works fast
1: So let's talk a little bit before we get to our soundbite of the week and the potential breakout players list, John. Let's talk a little bit about an article you put out on, on Cincy Jungle on the Bengals 53-man roster. Now, this, you got to you gotta give a little bit of a disclaimer because this was posted before the Ryan Glasgow news hit. So right. we're, we're, we're sharing this here. So there's a little bit here. Quickly, if you could, and then maybe we could talk uh, what I kind of envisioned here, John. we can You can run down how you came to these decisions. You obviously have the summaries there for those who have not read it. And then we can kind of talk a little bit uh, back and forth about each position group and uh, quickly go through this. But I thought it was really well done and obviously an interesting piece of information and debate as we get started with training camp. So quarterback shoot three, Finley, Doligala, and Burrow. Um, uh, this also, as we just talked about with Brandon Allen, I I guess where I would say is, does this change any of that for you with the Brandon Allen signing and these three quarterbacks that you keep?
2: It does. And I appreciate you saying, um, I appreciate you um, commending me on the effort, even though I just literally copy and pasted the old one and just changed a couple of names. Because honestly, like the first, our first projection came out in may and we have seen nothing that changes anything uh, up until the, the events of today. So if I were to change it right now, I would swap out Dolagala and put Brandon Allen there with the under the assumption that they're gonna try to stash Dolagala on the practice squad. I think that signing does end up changing that provided that they keep three. If they keep two, it's just a competition between Finley and Dolagala or Finley and Brandon Allen, and then maybe they stash Finley on the practice squad and they do whatever with Dolagala that they want. Maybe they want to keep four quarterbacks regardless and have two on the practice squad. They only want to keep two. There's talk about quarantining these quarterbacks separately or quote-unquote, getting creative with solutions to that. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I think right now, three is probably the safest
1: bet still. But just switching out dolgal with Brandon Allen. I would agree with you on that. I, I think that, the, the like we've talked about, Zach Taylor and company really like their investment in Finley. Uh, they just like him more than... what. Well, we fans saw last year. So I think I think you're going Burrow, you're going Finley. And uh I also think the fact that Finley started games last year, Allen started games last year, and you have guys on the roster that started NFL games to varying degrees of success or failures, there you have some in game experience behind Joe Burrow, even if it's limited. So whereas Dolagala doesn't really have any. So um That's I think that makes sense. there. running back. So this is where it gets a little interesting here. Obviously, you have Bernard Mixon, Travion Williams, and Rodney Anderson is the four. As we mentioned earlier, Rodney Anderson's on the pup list. Uh, Anything change for you here? Or is this kind of where you're sticking based on news that came out a little bit later today?
2: I would presume that this is what it's going to look like when September rolls around. I think Anderson's going to get off the pup between now and then. And then I still think that Williams is probably the guy that should maybe be looking over his shoulder because he just wasn't used on offense last year. He's just a special teamer, and they have seven running backs in the roster, which is just a lot for a team that right. only uses really one in in game situations. So there's a lot of depth there, and i I, I would have been interested in this, interested to see what jacques Patrick and Devall Whaley could pr- provide in some of those late game situations in the preseason, but we're not really going to see that, and it's really hard for those running backs to now make some traction on, on this depth chart. So if they go four, I would still expect that four some to remain. But they could go light, and they go three, and maybe Williams gets the boot because they want to keep Anderson that investment. But if Anderson doesn't progress health-wise back or if he suffers some type of a setback, then they always have Williams to kind of fall back on in that
1: case. Yeah, I, I think I think Pirine provides an interesting competition there. Remember, Samaje Pirine started the year on – the active roster. Uh, he right. was active in Seattle, and a lot of people forget that he's also of the uh, Oklahoma runner mold. Mixon, Anderson, and uh, you know now P Ryan, and you know obviously what they do up front, they've probably formulated something that plays to these runners' respective strengths and styles. So, and and I remember, I can't remember which beat writer it was, but when the Bengals signed Samaj P Ryan again this offseason. There was uh, it was noted that he was one of the last guys cut, or one of the last guys that uh, you know they wanted to get rid of, and hence why he was on the active roster at the beginning of the season, and then uh, shot off after that. So he might be a guy again if there's a he might be a placeholder guy for uh, as they wait for Rodney Anderson. It just depends, but that he, mm-hmm. he he's a guy that provides some interest to me. Wide receivers. We had a question from a listener earlier. Asking about Alex Erickson, we've talked about it being a, a real crossroads year for Alex Erickson, given the look of this wide receiver group and the addition of T. Higgins. Uh, we'll talk more about some of these guys going forward. Hard to see something really changing here. Maybe the Stanley Morgan, uh, the Stanley Morgan staying or going could be could be a difference maker. What? what how do you have this? How did you come to this, especially with both Morgan and Erickson making the roster?
2: Back in May, I had Mike Thomas there instead of Alex Erickson. Mike Thomas was the receiver from Los Angeles that they signed to one-year deal. He had uh, experience under Zach Taylor's coaching when he was the assistant and my receiver's coach, that was under the assumption that preseason was still going to happen and that Alex Erickson might get booted off his role as the pump returner there. Unfortunately, not having much value as receiver left, so he might have gotten cut at this point now that they're not going to have any in-game reps on those special teams reps. Erickson might be more safe to make it on as a pump returner for another year. Don't really have anyone that has experience, at least in in in-game situations, that matches what Erickson has provided but I think they still go seven because you're still really deep in that, at that position group. You're going to go at least three receivers for 80, 90% of your snaps. You need as much depth there as possible. Again, expanded practice squads can make or break some of these decisions. You can keep Damien Willis or uh, Scotty Washington on the practice squad to add more depth to that group. But if they go seven, I think this is the seven that you probably keep because with Morgan, I I think there's value in his special teams contributions. I think, Darren Simmons is still here. He wants to keep as many of his guys as possible. And Morgan was one of their best special teamers last year. And I think a lot of people still kind of forget about that. So he might not make that much of an impact on offense, but I think as a gunner and on special teams in general, he still makes the impact that they want to see.
1: Scotty Washington's the guy from, uh, I believe is Wake Forest, who's just a giant. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of in a, a uh, odd and Tate light uh, a, a little bit there. So that is a guy that will probably intrigue them throughout training camp ironically Erickson's status in uh, on making the team as a wide receiver isn't really as highly impacted by the wide receiver group as a whole I mean it's impacted by T Higgins coming in and, and them using a second round pick on him but it's really his we've talked about this before John his Erickson's path is more impacted by Darius Phillips and Brandon Wilson and their rise to being very good return men so that's that's more where it, it the jeopardy lies in terms of his roster spot is, is the two defensive bats.
2: Right, and unfortunately, I think they tried to give Darius Phillips exposure as a punt returner. He just didn't do that much with it, and that's why they went back to Erickson. That's yeah. why continue to do so. So I think they still have some semblance of trust there, and because they're not going to be able to see other guys in those situations other than just training camp and practice, I think they just go with a comfortable decision in Erickson.
1: Yeah, pretty pr- – moving on to tight ends, pretty, I guess, cut and dry here. The Seth and Carter, Mason, Shrek thing, I, th- I I would assume you put Carter in there because of special teams value over, over Shrek.
2: Right. And I know that breaks your heart because it's not Mitchell Wilcox, but it's just uh, the, the safer bet right now.
1: I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So, uh, again, a, a group that is got a lot to prove. There's some talent there. Uh, Uzama's flashed and sample was a high draft pick but uh they've got a lot to prove we've talked about that offensive lineman you kept a 9 you know redman is uh you have him on the list right now he was placed on um you know that that uh, nfi list there so mm-hmm. uh I, maybe some explanation is you have Xavier Suofilo, Bobby Hart, Trey Hopkins, Alex Redmond, Billy Price, Michael Jordan, Fred Johnson, Jonah Williams, and Hakeem Adeniji. So you do have Adenogy making it.
2: Yeah. And, and Redmond in the nicest way possible is a virus in his own. He's just hard to get rid of, you know, you can, you can predict him off the roster all you want for the past three or so years, but until he's I actually see it, yeah, he's, he's, he's sticking around, you know, he's, he's the Hardy Nickerson Jr., the Chris Crocker of, of our time on offense. So yeah, like, a Cordasco or a Clay Cordasco or a Josh Nidfield, both guys who were undrafted from Oregon State and Iowa State, respectively, they have potential to beat him out. But I think if they go nine, Redmond's probably the ninth guy to make it. I think the eight others are pretty much locks because of their starting or just draft position in general. Um, but th- I think the nine is important here because under the new CBA, teams are allowed to activate one extra player provided that they have eight offensive linemen activated in the game, and I think in, teams would be more comfortable with that if if they had nine total offense line. I don't think they would want to activate all eight of of the offense linemen that, that they have active. So I think we're going to see more teams keep nine on their active roster, and I think for the Bengals' case, it's going to be the same.
1: Defensive lineman, you went with nine there as well. Pretty. Uh, this is so. Where do you see? This shaping up now that Glasgow's gone, I think most of the people here maybe Tupo's a little bit of a surprise to me to some people, but with the fact that you know, Andrew Billings is gone, um, you know, that that may pave a, a more solid route for him to stay with the team. Khalid Kareem was on that list earlier. We expect him, we think, to come back pretty quickly, but where do you see this shaping up now that Glad? Do you just think they'll keep eight? Do you think they'll one of these other guys? Um, maybe an Andrew Brown, uh, comes in there and steps in there for Glasgow. What do you think?
2: Someone in the comment section uh, on the article uh, questioned why I had like nine defense linemen, and five linebackers in there. If they run a three-four, they don't technically run a three-four. They don't have four like the four linebackers aren't all like actual stand-up linebackers. So they're gonna. I think they're gonna go at least nine defense line because they have f- at least four or five defensive linemen on the field at all times, regardless of what package that they're in. So with Glasgow now off, I think right now you pencil in Andrew Brown as your half defense, half edge rusher, half interior um, rusher as well. And you have four true guys and Gino, DJ reader, Tupo and Rennell ran Ren- Ren as your interiors. Dunlap, Lawson, Hubbard, Khalid Kareem as your true edges. And then you have Brown as like a chess piece that you can move around. And if Brown doesn't make it, and they keep nine. There's undrafted guys like um, Tyler Clark, who was given the highest signing bonus of all undrafted free agents in this Bengals class. And then Trey Deshaun, the guy from Kansas State, who also had a chance to be drafted as well. So right now, I think I would pencil in Brown instead of Glasgow because Glasgow is no longer with us. And I, I think they're going to go at least nine again because they need as much depth at, the, at that position as possible for the scheme that they're trying to run.
1: I, I agree. I keep waiting for Father Time to hit old Gino Atkins and Carlos Carlos Dunlap, and it doesn't seem to. Um, we'll see when if that if that ever happens. When that happens, hopefully it's not this year, though. Linebackers, you teased it, you you kept five, and it's basically all of all new guys except for one, and he's still relatively new, Jermaine Pratt, because he was a rookie right. last year. But you've got the three rookies they drafted, including Bailey, who was placed on that on that list earlier today and then of course the veteran Josh Bynes who came over from Baltimore after a pretty solid season with them so I'm not surprised by any of this really I guess the big surprise would be you know why why didn't you keep six and you just explained that you don't think uh a guy like Calitro sneaks his way on after they've shown interest in him the past two off seasons like
2: when I put this together, like I had Calitro in there, and I realized, oh crap, i 54, and I had to take him off because I think you're right. Like they wanted to claim him last year, they weren't high enough on the waiver order. Once they were at the top of the waiver order, they claimed him almost immediately. There's obvious interest in there, regardless of how mediocre he has been on the field for the for the teams he's been a part of. But I think he, they definitely want to give him a shot. And if they go six, I think he's safe. But if they don't, it's hard to see them cutting any of those five guys for Kalitra because you, you want binds probably starting week one because of his experience. And then you just drafted three of those other guys and you want to see what you have in Pratt. So it, it like six is six is like the absolute max. But again, if you're only running, if you're only having two linebackers on the field for 90% of your snaps and the only time you have three linebackers is when you're facing a team like the Ravens, it's hard to keep more than five, especially with the way the rest of the roster is constructed. So Calicho may find himself in the practice squad if they like him that much. And, you know, they've shown the most interest in him from any other team in the NFL. So I think he has the edge over Jordan Evans if they keep six, but I think if it's five, it's those five.
1: Yeah. Evans, uh, as you noted in the articles, he's in very good shape, but, again a a previous regime guy and this though there's a lot of youth and inexperience on this on this linebacker group you've presented here there's the talent level seems to be exponentially higher than what we've seen over the past year or so in that group overall so uh good stuff there let's talk cornerbacks you you went very uh you went a little interesting here I guess because there's also the uh, Winston Rose is kind of a name that a lot of fans are talking about. Tony Brown, who had some time with the Packers, is a guy that a lot of people are talking about. But you went with Trey Waynes, William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander, LaShawn Sims, the free agent acquisition out of Tennessee, Greg Mabin, and Darius Phillips.
2: I have no confidence in, in predicting this group. Like I know the, the four pseudo starters, Waynes, Jackson, Alexander, and Phillips, Like they're going to make it, obviously. The the other two, I, I have no idea. You can you can yeah. put any combination permutation of names in there and I would believe you because I feel like Mabin and Tory McTyre have the same qualifications as they were brought in last year, played limited snaps, mostly special teams. Tony Brown was I think claimed in like December, right after the right. season ended. Winston Rose has that CFL resume of nine interceptions last year and um, yeah, Like a, any of those guys could make those final two spots, and I would have loved to see how they perform in the preseason, but we're not really going to get that chance, and it makes the the waving of Isaiah Swan, who was an undrafted guy at Dartmouth and was really productive at, at the FCS level. Unfortunately, he failed his physical, so he will not be able to, to compete with this group, and I, it's a shame because I think he, again, like it's so wide open with those final two spots. I think any of these guys can make it, and any six that you have listed, as long as those previous four are on there. I think has an equal shot of being right.
1: I think you're at least looking at this group as well uh, from last year, Trey Wayne's at least a marginal improvement. You would think over Drake Kirkpatrick, at least Drake Kirkpatrick over the past couple of years, Mackenzie Alexander. We liked Darquez Denard. We liked him a lot. Uh, He's a good slot guy, but injured quite a bit. And uh, you know, he, I, to my knowledge, I don't think he, he signed with Jacksonville. And then I think he, Ended up opting out of that contract. So I don't think he, he remain, may, remains unsigned out there. So Mackenzie Alexander, though, a sure tackler and a guy who's just around the football a lot. LaShawn Sims, a guy they like. He's got good size. So uh, and then, of course, you've got big play guy and Darius Phillips. So, uh, you know, uh, an interesting group and one that should have at least marginal improvement over last year. Safeties, I think this goes without saying, especially with the addition of Von Bell. Some people wonder. You know how how are they going to do Von? How are they going to use Von Bell and Sean Williams? We've talked about that on this show a bit. They're going to try and be versatile. They're going to try and mix things up. Have have guys play more in the box and more guys play back deep and really play to get back to what Bates and Williams did well in 2018. Mm -hmm. I I I think that's what they're trying to do. And then of course Brandon Wilson will provide you some depth as well as kickoff return ability.
2: Right and. The only other safety that they have on the roster right now is Trayvon Henderson, and I think under the past practice squad rules, he may even still have one more year of eligibility there, but I think now it's kind of moot because you can have, I think, unlimited accrued seasons for a number of players on the practice squad, so maybe they stash him there because they just need overall depth at that position. And, and I understand the argument of keeping him over Sean Williams because you probably save like $4 million against the salary cap, but I don't think that's really a priority for the front office right now. And I think again, they still have some type of a role planned out for Williams as a third safety or, or big nickel type nickel back. So this, this is the four and I don't see that changing.
1: And as we said earlier, uh, Tristan vizcaino added to the specialists group, but I think we both believe that Randy Bullock's got this job, at least for this year. And of course the the battery of Harrison Huber actually the, Harris Huber and Bullock, uh, especially on field goal (laughs) attempts, but, but the, the entire unit stays intact. And I, you know, look, I know there's, there are issues with Randy Bullock. He ended up having a decent year last year. There are issues with him kicking the ball really over about 47, 48 yards, but I, I, I trust Darren Simmons. He was, the best coach on the Bengals staff last year, he really had his special teams unit playing pretty well overall. And if he is the one pounding the table for Randy Bullock, which I assume he has to be because Randy Bullock has now lasted into this regime from Marvin Lewis. I mean, I mean, I I guess you got to just trust Aaron Simmons. He's got a pretty good track record as a special teams coach.
2: Right. And Again, like in 2020, special teams coaches should be prioritizing length in terms of power at, at at their field goal cookers because you can find guys who can give you what Randy Bullock does for a dime a dozen, and it, throughout the draft and throughout after the draft as well. So the commitment to Bullock has always been questionable, especially nowadays when the the value of field goals has been perceived in such a a, a brighter light. But yeah, I don't see. Um, I don't see this position group changing at all.
1: So that is the, the newest, obviously with a couple of changes from even this morning, uh, the newest preview or I guess approximation by, by John and by us in terms of what the 53 man roster will look like. There tends to always be a surprise or two in there, but that's usually coinciding with, with a couple of guys, an undrafted guy, a new guy coming in and playing well in preseason games. The Bengals may opt to go with everybody that they just know because there are no preseason games this year. So that's uh, we may not be as surprised as we have been in previous years. We're gonna get to our sound bite of the week and some potential breakout players before we uh, before we get on out of here. Just want to remind folks to join us tomorrow, if you're able, at 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll be interviewing Takiyo Spikes, former Bengals linebacker and 15-year NFL veteran. A guy that uh, a lot of a lot of folks around these parts remember fondly. A really good player, and we're excited to speak to him. He's joining us from the Believe Podcast Network. So we're excited to be chatting with him. Join us live or catch this episode as well as that interview on any of your favorite audio platforms itunes stitcher spotify google play megaphone iHeartRadio. you can get all of our stuff on cincyjungle.com and uh you can get stuff on our youtube channel there's a subscribe button on this on this video here if you want to subscribe to our youtube channel matt minick's been putting out a lot of cool stuff as well so not only will we be putting you'll be getting our stuff on the YouTube channel, you'll be getting stuff from Matt Minnick, very uh, instructional and educational, good stuff from, from Matt, always doing some film review and whatnot. So let's get to, John, the soundbite of the week, if you will. Uh, this one is a little interesting to me. Usually we've been playing uh, a bit more of the positive-based Sound bites, you know, Oh, be be excited. We're going to be, I think we had, I think ours last week was Adam shine talking about AJ green signing and how he thinks the Bengals offense is going to be, uh, you know, the, the next big thing this year, but unfortunately a voice, a well-respected voice in the league, a hall of fame voice in the league recently joined Adam Schefter on his podcast to talk a little bit about Joe Burrow and his potential struggles early in this season, and so this is Bill Polian. We're going to pull this up in just a second here. This is Bill Polian talking about Joe Burrow potentially struggling in 2020. And then we will chat about that in uh, just a second. So let me pull this up for everybody and we'll chat about it. Bill Polian, if you remember, was a guy who knows quarterbacks pretty well. He was a guy who drafted. Uh, and Groom, he was part of the uh, the Bills' big run in the early '90s with Jim Kelly at the helm, and then of course he was a guy who brought in Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. So here is Bill Polian on the Adam Schefter podcast talking about Joe Burrow potentially struggling early in 2020.
0: Oh, Joe Burrow's going to struggle. He's going to struggle. He's so far behind now, Lord. You know, Bill. This is Bill Parcells. The best way learn how to play football is to play football. And we play football in training camp and in OTAs to a certain extent, and we're not doing that this year. So there, there will be, no, those guys will have a hard time.
1: Of course, as I mentioned, he's going to reference Peyton Manning because he's intimately familiar with him. Look, I think we can all agree the unprecedented year brings a lot of challenges, particularly for a guy like Burrow, even with his high football IQ, his wildly successful 2019 college season. You're not working out as often with guys as as normal. You're not getting game repetitions, even if, it's, if they are few and far between it, being a starting quarterback and your prized franchise quarterback being out there. You still want game reps before you start in week one. I, I, some people may hear this, John, and say, no, duh. Some people say, no, Joe Burrow's too special to struggle, even with all this stuff that's going on. I know you've talked about this a little bit, in terms of some data that you've presented but what do you i mean do you take this with a grain of salt or do you say this is a well respected voice in the NFL and Bill Polian
2: he said it with such conviction which is interesting to me like he just blatantly said it right I and mean, he's going to struggle now right. it's it's so I, 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 bill polian's resume is long and and well received but it's very easy to dunk on him at this point you know he scout he said Lamar Jackson should move to quarterback he claimed that he had a first round grade on Tom Brady. He's just an old man just talking into a microphone at this point. It's easy, it's very easy to make fun of him, but at the same point, he does make some good points. Like it, it's it is more rare. It, it is the the exception, not the rule, for first round rookie quarterbacks to succeed in terms of winning percentage, in terms of efficiency, in terms of all of that. Like for you know, just any quarterback being thrusted into a starting role in his first year, it, it's. More likely that they do struggle compared to the league average. It's something that is blatantly obvious when you just research the the data and, and the statistics. It's what I came to the conclusion of when I did that research page back in back in June. Like it's not it's nothing really groundbreaking. The fact that he said it with such conviction, it, it's I mean, it kind of loses credibility, I guess, a little bit with him. But again, I don't know how much credibility he still has left in in this arena. But yeah, like having no OTAs, having no minicamp. Very similar to what Andy Dalton did, and Andy Dalton ended up having a semi-successful rookie year. I guess with the fact that he went to the playoffs, but again, that's more the exception, not the rule. And that's that is the exception with with Joe Burrow now is that he is going to struggle with, with coming into the worst team in the league last year with basically nothing but a virtual offseason ahead of him, regardless of the surrounding talent, regardless of a changing and evolving scheme that's tailored to him. He is probably going to struggle, but at, at the same time, you know, like from an isolated standpoint just looking at what burrow is and what he does well compared to to the quarterbacks of the past in cincinnati especially just with last year there are some things that can help him out in this situation that with other quarterbacks even with guys with more experience they wouldn't be able to succeed at at a similar level so again it's bill polian he said some questionable things recently that has questioned has damaged his credibility a little bit the conviction is pretty strong even with the research behind it but I can kind of understand the sentiment because he's not exactly necessarily wrong in this case.
1: Yeah. Part of me says, look, I mean, he referenced statistics from 96 to 2013. So, so some of the data he's providing is six or seven years old, right? Uh, If not older. So, uh, I mean, I, I I understand, but there's the reference point is a little bit back in time. Now I, nobody Knows. I mean, you can make the argument the defenses are going to be behind because they haven't really been practicing doing reps and these these star defensive players that are coming into new teams, potentially new systems, they're going to be behind and there may there maybe won't be as many turnovers forced, that sort of thing. So, you could really say that about any position. There was an interesting comment, Frank Randolph in the live Facebook chat says rookie quarter, quarterbacks are usually playing on a weak team. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. The Bengals are in a rebuild mode, but... I think they're trying to rebuild pretty quickly, and they've shown that in free agency. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be to, like you said, to the point of where Pullian says it with such conviction. I think it's going to be more, you know, kind of standard stuff. It's not going. To, I, I don't see a Peyton Manning setting the rookie interception record, which he was was always his little jokey talking point throughout his entire career. I don't see that being a thing that Burrow experiences but i don't see if you're expecting a season like he had at lsu last year statistically and everything you might you might be set for a little bit of disappointment there i just don't think it's going to be to the level of of what polian was was referencing there
2: you're right cuz like the the playing field is level for everybody right now cuz no one has had the opportunity to train and take reps the only difference is burrow is still a rookie and it's just a matter of if he has Mental fortitude to take on this giant burden of going out there and playing your first actual snap be against the Chargers in a game that will actually count on his resume, and on his, on his rap sheet, and on his, on his box score and everything like that. So there is an unprecedented amount of pressure and a limited amount of prep time to make that happen. But like you said, all rookie quarterbacks struggle to some degree. Joe Burrow will undoubtedly struggle at multiple times throughout the season. You know, there will be his, his doubters like polian i guess in this case that will say i'm right and there will be people like Bengals fans that are saying yeah this guy is the real deal and that will happen throughout the course of the season it'll, it'll probably be a, a, some type of a roller coaster type year and very rarely do the ups more often outweigh the downs and, and that is what you get when russell wilson led the seahawks to the playoffs in 2012 dak prescott in 2016 when they had their extraordinary rookie seasons those those are more rare those are the exceptions to the rule the rule is more so what is leading to. But again, the the conviction with his reasoning is is the only thing that's, I guess, bothering me here.
1: Yeah, so Bill Pullian with the soundbite of the week as it goes with the Cincinnati Bengals. He made an appearance on the Adam Schefter podcast. Hall of Famer says with quite emotion that Joe Burrow will struggle in 2020 based on this offseason and just being a rookie quarterback, both. So we will see. Let's move on and do the potential breakout players for 2020 for the Cincinnati Bengals. We had been doing two each per episode because we've had so much to get to and we're going a little long. We're going to do one each and we'll we'll still continue on, but we're going to do one player each. John, I'm going to let you do the honors and go first this time.
2: I think you can make the argument that John Ross experienced his breakout in the first four weeks of last year in 2019 because through those first four weeks he was actually i think 15th among receivers with at least 20 targets in yards per out run and a lot of that came against the seahawks in week one and in garbage time against the 49ers in week two but i mean still 2.14 yards per out run with andy dalton playing at 2019 level andy dalton is impressive nonetheless unfortunately injuries took away eight games after that week four game against the Steelers. And he never really achieved that level of production for the remainder of the year because of just the way that the offense devolved in terms of the passing game. But, you know, it's always been injuries with John Ross. I know we, we've had people when we do these breakout segments, we have people talk about Ross in the comment section to ask us to talk about Ross. And he does deserve, I guess his own individual spotlight here because he is the the penultimate waiting to break out player because you, the the potential, and the talent is so obvious and immense and it's always been, he just doesn't really fit here, whether it's with Marvin Lewis, whether it's with Andy Dolan's quarterback, you, you have a new head coach, you have a new quarterback, you have a head coach that has a year of experience in using him, but it just never really meshed with the offense that he ran or the quarterback that was running that offense. You know, I think it matters that Joe Burrow has trained with John Ross the most in terms of yeah. receivers that he's going to play with this year and in this offseason. I think it, it speaks a lot about Burrow f- for reaching out to Ross to get all that extra work in more than any other receiver that he's going to throw to. I think that will, I guess, pay off at least in the early portion of the season now that the, like in, you know the in-game reps are going to come in, in the regular season. And it'll be interesting to see how, m- how many starting reps that Ross does get in training camp or whether or not T. Higgins might bump him out of the starting lineup in, in those three receiver sets because you have to assume – that Boyd and, and, and Green are going to be starting it as well. But, like, Ross is in the contract year. He has his first and maybe only big NFL payday awaiting him, potentially awaiting him in months' time. You have a quarterback that has an obvious interest in you and your, your skill set. You have a quarterback that has the capability of taking advantage of that skill set. Again, like, m- most of these are about it if the, if X player can stay healthy. But that, that literally is what it is with Ross now because now he's with a quarterback that can maximize – his potential, maximize his abilities. If he can just stay healthy, he's in an offense that can lead him to a big payday and and lead him to officially breaking out into the NFL landscape.
1: Joe Burrow excels at a lot of things, but accuracy is definitely up there. And when you have a guy like John Ross who, who excels at yards after the catch type of opportunities, or at least did so at the University of Washington, that's where a quarterback like Joe Burrow can really make a difference. And it's not just, you know, a lot of people think John Ross, go, go run 50 yards down the sideline and Burrow will hit you this time. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's a lot of stuff that there's going to be some plays, particularly, this is all kind of based on what we just talked about with the Bill Polian clip. There's going to be a lot of plays that are going to try probably to try and get Burrow in early rhythms in games because of the lack of game reps in the preseason and whatnot. So, there are probably going to be some gimme type passes, some easy passes that are easy completions that John Ross can potentially utilize and utilize his speed, utilize his yards after the catchability and make a big play. Now, you know, it, I think we all hope that John Ross and is and should be the breakout player, like you said, John that we that we all want him to be it's if it's if he does it and then if he does it does he stay with the Bengals that's that's kind of uh, beyond this year that's kind of the argument here because the Bengals decline their the, the fifth year option there on his rookie deal so big year for Ross i do think he has the potential to break out greatly particularly based on who his quarterback is but i i would think what do you think it's more the deep ball or the yards after the catch stuff like short yards after the catch stuff do you think we're going to see more or just a mixed bag
2: Burrowed through a
1: crap ton of slants
2: in LSU last year. Like that was like the base of, you know, spread spread your 11 personnel out wide and attack, and attack the short side of the field with slants. That's something that Ross has the capability of doing. It's always been a matter of just dropping the ball. It's just the lack of focus and not catching with your hands. It led to a whole other bunch of mental issues. That those plays just weren't packaged for Ross because he just proved that he couldn't reliably do it with 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 the connection and the chemistry with, with his previous quarterback. But if the drops were a thing in the past and if he's moved past it, that's an instant chain mover and that's an instant yards after catchability. And then it sets up deep plays with, with his speed because obviously Burrow is one of the best deep ball passers that came out of the college ranks. And that's an obvious asset with Ross because there's no cornerback no that he can't stack over the top
0: on a nine round.
1: Right. I I hope he breaks out. I hope I hope you're right. That's the guy that I think a lot of people would agree should be on this list, and I, he's probably been on. I, I we've done this list a couple of <laughs> couple of times now, and I think you know I feel like he's been on it. Uh, speaking of someone who has been on the list at least once, I think I had him on it last year, and now with the news that we received from Ryan Glasgow today, leaving the Cincinnati Bengals because of a, a failed physical, I think Renell Wren is poised to have a bigger role. Again, now we're not we're not degrees of success being accounted for. I think Renell Wren is poised for a bigger role this year. I think that he is adding he, he had an interview with DNH Sports and he talked about adding some different moves to his repertoire and doing different things to stay in shape and uh, you know, hopefully it pays off for him. We all know he's an athletic freak. We all know. What he hit the potential is sky high. It's a matter of putting the actual football mechanics to work, doing things the right way, and translating the potential to productivity. And I think that he's he's a year older now. Hopefully, he's been working on some different things, and now he's got probably a bit more of an opportunity. Yes, you know the Bengals added DJ Reader on the defensive line, but they're going to mix a lot of things up up front. They're going to move guys around all over the place. And I think this could be a a solid year for Renault Wren. I, I, I don't think, you know, I'm not saying double digit sacks or anything crazy like that. I just think he's going to be a very solid contributor up front. Should he stay healthy and show that he's made a big leap in year two.
2: For those skill sets and what they do well, it would almost be a little bit redundant to keep both Glasgow and Wren, but they don't have that issue anymore because like you said, Glasgow is, is an insane athlete for his size. Is or excuse me, Brent is an insane athlete for his size. He just has to really put it all together and get the nuances of his steps and his timing right. I think that's been a, a main proponent with his training. And in that interview with, with Daddy and Hoji and, and myself, you know, we talked about you know, stringing together some new, some new moves and getting more than just that bull rush that, that he has in his pocket because obviously the bull rush is effective when you're 6'5, 315 and carry enough force of like an F 150. So, but it, it, it's good that you have three defensive tackles along with Gino Atkins. You have DJ reader, Josh Tupo and Rennell Ren, who can play the one tech, the three tech and the five tech. And you have a bunch of versatility along your interior defenders. You didn't really have that with Glasgow, but, but with Ren, you can play him all, all over the line, oh. this, all over in, in between the tackles. You can have him in any technique spot. He played mainly, I think like straight on nose at Arizona state, because that's just where they needed him. And he has the, the, the ability to be a run stopper there, but He has the length to handle those tackles on the outside shoulder, and he has the quickness to be a penetrator at three techniques. So now with Glasgow out of the picture, you're right. He has an opportunity to break out into a role that can fit him best, and he's with a a bunch of other guys that can be rotated and play different positions alongside him.
1: Yeah, and hopefully the... What Glasgow was able to do for a bit in 2018, as I mentioned earlier, keeping that defensive line fresh up front by rotating guys in and out—that's what makes everybody effective. Not just the the rotational guys that sub in, but also the starters that you rely on, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, etc. You know, these are when you when you're able to sub in guys effectively. That's what's going to make things work at, at a much more improved level. On defense, and you're not going to see the big gash plays. Hopefully, that you saw last year, particularly against division rivals, because that's those are the those are the teams that really gashed them. So, those are our two guys this week. Again, we normally do two each because of time. We're doing one each. I had Rennell Wren, and John had his his first namesake, John Ross, as his his potential breakout players. Uh, they you can go back to our other episodes to catch. All of the others that we've done so far, this is about, I think, the third or fourth week we've done that. So we've got a number of different players to watch out for, and we'll continue this through the summer going forward here. John, let's drop the mic and get out of here, buddy. What do you got? I
2: think we I think we had somebody uh, ask us about our thoughts about players opting out of this season, and I think Zach Taylor announced in his press conference today that he would not be releasing that information because of you know, he just wants to respect the privacy of his players and let them announce it for themselves. So I don't know if that is alluding to Bengals potentially opting out or having already decided, but they're just going to announce it on their own terms, regardless if they do or not. I, I hope that this fan base treats it with dignity and respect because it is a, a groundbreaking decision for that player. You know, it, it's it, they are they are fortunate enough to receive some type of compensation for opting out, I believe for not a player who's deemed non-risk of contracting covid you get 150,000 but you're still giving up for for some prominent players who have opted out they're giving up multi-million dollar, you know, salaries this year for the sake of making sure that their families specifically ones with newborn children and and other other um at-risk family members that that sacrifice to give up all that uh, that that salary just for the sake of keeping them safe they deserve all the respect in the world and if that does happen with with Bengals Players, I would hope that this fan base and this community treats them with the with, with the respect
1: that they deserve. I am pretty. I'm I'm kind of planning on at least one Bengals player, prominent or maybe not so prominent. Probably going down that route. Um, I, I just I'm preparing for it personally. So uh, I, I I don't know if that's if you want to call me negative or whatever you want to call it, but uh, I just I think it's on a lot of players' minds right now. And uh, I, I think uh, to be expected based on what's going on. So uh, I don't have too much to follow up with that. That was a, that was a very good point, And I'm glad you brought that up because I did see that in the live chat. I just want to remind folks, again, another shameless plug, try and join us tomorrow for the Takiyo Spikes interview. We're pretty excited to have him. We tried to get him on tonight, just didn't have the availability. So... We're bringing you another little mini episode tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. Going to talk with Takiyo Spikes, and uh, he is joining us as part of the Believe Podcast Network. So excited to have him and excited to bring that to you guys. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in live. Again, get this show how you can on your favorite audio platform. And we'll see you Thursday for the Tequio Spikes interview. If not, then we'll see you next week. Have a good night.